Welcome back to another Eat Speed podcast, the most delicious podcast of the Metroplex. I'm Bud Kennedy. I'm Robert Philpot. And Steve Wilson. And this is Robert Philpot for the last time tonight, today, um, telling us all about food and dining. This is, uh, Robert has been uh, part of this podcast for uh, much of its uh, podcast life, and uh, this is uh, Robert's last time around the plate. Yeah, I, um, I'm leaving the Star-Telegram after nearly 30 years, I'm um, leaving it um Last day is uh, February 28th, in case you happen to hear this after February 28th. We're going to talk about dining and food and restaurants, but we're also going to talk a little bit about Robert and some of the food that, that he's covered. Uh, the uh, I think the main thing that you have been involved in here is this gastric conspiracy known as the burger battle. Uh, yeah, I uh, think I've done... F- the first burger battle was 2009. I was not a part of it, uh, and... Uh, the uh, but I've been a part of every one since 2011, so it's every other year 2011, 2013, 2015, uh, 17. I ran it in 2015 and 2017. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to run a uh, NCAA March Madness style burger bracket. Uh, it's also insane and it's also a big headache. Um, but you you learn a lot. You uh, we what we would do was we would take a bracket, we would um, seed 32 burger joints and then you would uh, go to one joint and in the original rules as soon as you could you would go to the other one and my first year was the brutally hot summer of 2011 and one of my pairings back then was uh, Grumps and Burleson versus in and out in the, at the time that the only in and out in Dallas North Fort Dallas. Worth was in, it was in North Dallas um, so there was a lot of uh, ground covered in the, the burger battles. They sort of evolved over the year to be more tarrant. Well, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, waistline damage done by those burger battles when you have to eat two burgers back to back. I just remember, and I, and I wasn't directly involved the first couple of years, and I just remember being amazed at the outlandish consumption that it took to go through you know, five rounds of burger battle or whatever it was. To You had to eat not just one burger. You had to spend a whole summer eating burgers. Yeah, it, it was. It, it took about five weeks to do it. And uh, it. Um, I let's, let's just say that when I wasn't eat, doing my round judging, I was eating a lot of salad. I, I tried to keep a balance on it. Um, theoretically, you ate half a burger and uh, at one place and ate you know half at the other but I could never stop at half yeah that was my feeling too it's kind of like I, I ate the whole burgers because they because most of them were really good they were I mean, really they, good these they, were, they already made the bracket which was uh, that has to say something yeah. about the place these are championship quality burgers right <laughs> and uh, they you know there, there are places we discovered um, by doing this uh, there were in 2015 there were a couple of near upsets with uh Navajo Burger, which I'm trying to remember, I believe that was up against Fred's. It might have been up against Rodeo Goat. So you have this place in a gas station uh, on in northwest Fort Worth, Lake Worth, just off of 820, that came within a, you know a thin patty of beating uh, one of the burger giants around here. And there was also Jay's Casa Burger on River Oaks, which has since expanded a little bit. It was another place. At the time, it was inside a gas station, and it came very close. And I, I just, I know that in these rounds, that Fred's and Rodeo Goat were the um, the favorites, and both times they also got beat. 
And we, we would hear from people who, like, we, we went to Charlie's on uh, Old Fashioned Hamburgers on Granbury Road. Still one of the which best. Which is one of my favorites, and it was a consistently strong performer in the burger battle. And um, we, we, we'd hear from people like in Plano who said they'd seen our, our burger battle online, and they, they would come all the way down to southwest Fort Worth to try burgers. Um, and, you know, it, it, it gave me this this curiosity about burgers that like anytime I saw a new place open up I had to try it well who would be the all-time burger winner if you put up the Fred's 2011 burger against the rodeo goat 2015 who who would be the all-time oh, I, I would have to give it to, to Fred's just on the, the fact that they were the uh, um, the only multiple winner the right? only multiple winner but the, the the best round I ever had was uh, was um, it's the place in um, Cleburne with the outside restrooms. Uh, oh, the burger Nikki bar. D's, Nikki D's. Oh, in, in, in Crowley. 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 Yeah. Nikki D's in Crowley versus um, what used to be, whether at the time was Salsa Fuego. And we, uh, we would, as, we, as the rounds went, as we did the rounds, we would increase the number of judges. Like in the first round, one judge would come out. By the third round, there would be three judges. And... That was a three. That was a third round matchup, and it was like one of the longest arguments we had over who won. And I think it it eventually, like it was, I think it was a big cheese battle too. It was like because uh, both of them had yeah. really good cheese. Yeah, and, and I think and it actually Fuego, came down. Fuego I actually Barker think, really has good cheese. I actually think it really strangely came down to uh, one of the the um, Nikki D's burgers had. Uh, you're not going to hear me say this very often, but it had too much cheese, and it, it was like it was that thin uh, a margin on it. Um, Nikki D's is, is one of my favorite places. It's yeah. like when I was a, when I was uh, assigning it, you know, assigning the bracket myself. I always gave my, myself a Nikki D's round. Any place where the restrooms are outside. I noticed you tended to assign yourself to Nikki D, to Nikki D's. That was great. What was the uh, what was the weirdest restaurant of any kind that you went to? I mean, and and I, I'm talking about you doing restaurants. I mean, you've been. You know, obviously, you've been riding here for 30 years and, and started. I, I looked up the the first couple of weeks you were here, you reviewed both Doc Severinsen and Cracker, which showed the uh, the, the breadth of experience. Yeah, that, that was actually um, a few years in because I was uh, I started as a copy editor okay. in 1989. So I was laying kind of behind the scenes for about three years. And then the Star-Telegram launched Encore, which in 92, which was a uh, uh, an overnight entertainment um review and new uh news and review page mm-hmm. and it was at, at started as a four-page tabloid shaped mm-hmm. um thing and it had a lot of space so we reviewed everything um malcolm mayhew who was um who coincidentally was a judge on many of the burger battles right. was a an alternative music writer back then and he reviewed green day before they became huge, and he, he reviewed them in a St. Patrick's Day show where there were fewer than 100 people. Yeah. Um, so we reviewed everything. Um, well, I, and But you wrote about arts, music, entertainment for 20 years, and then the last six, seven years you've written about food. What's yeah. the weirdest thing you've had in the well, last few years? Uh, the weirdest thing I've had is easier to answer than the weirdest restaurant, but the, yeah. uh, the, it... Um, I can't remember why I did this. I think it has something to do with some booth at the state fair or something, but there was a... Um, it was actually a pest control company that was um, serving um, fried insects. So tried them. Um, there might be still some video out there of me uh, gulping these insects down. 
weren't bad. They didn't taste like chicken, but they, they had a nice little crunch. The secret with uh, insects is uh, seasoning. Lots um, of batter. Lots of batter, lots of seasoning. And then um, for the stock show one year, my uh, my former boss, Rick Press, who was one of the founders of the Burger Battle. And, and of this podcast. And of this podcast. Um, he, uh, he asked me to... Um, uh, do a story on calf fries, or as some people might know them, Rocky Mountain oysters. If you're not familiar with calf fries, they are basically um, calf testicles. They're, they're what's been removed when you make when you make, make a steer, steer. right? right. Yeah. And um, the 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 whole history behind it is that, um, I believe it, if I recall right, it's the old cowboys didn't want anything to go to waste, so they used everything from. Um, the cow they would fry up and they they would fry those up and at the first place that they were, they were served in a restaurant was in fort worth uh, theo yordanoff uh, the yugoslavian uh, immigrant who had uh, theo saddle and sirloin in the stockyards was up at the packing house he was looking for something else to serve i think this might have been during or after the depression and they pointed to the pile in the corner and they said well you can have all those you want free and uh, so he took them all down to his restaurant started frying up calf fries and put them on his menu so the first restaurant that actually sold them on a menu was what's now risky's steakhouse in the fort worth stockyard which carries on the tradition (laughs) right which continues to serve calf fries and then cattleman's around the corner uh has you know calf fry pizza and they have a lot of calf fry so i had the calf fry pizza at cattleman's part of the story i I spent a week eating calf fries for lunch and lived to tell about and lived uh you know they're um not something i'd go out on my way for but my dad ate chicken livers and chicken gizzards growing up and it, it did you know it's sort of what it reminded me of um it's a little scary when you see them when they're not battered, when they look closer to the original deal. Yeah. I shot a video of that. Uh, Rick yeah. said, I asked, what do you want from this video? I said, I want to see a cow's testicles. That was at uh, Horseshoe Hill. <clears throat> yeah. Right, Horseshoe yeah. Hill, right. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, uh. Now we have a nice video of you eating the cat fries also. And eating the, 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 the finished product. Right. But uh-huh. not, not, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of painful to uh, go to Horseshoe Hill and have something that wasn't a chicken fried steak. But, yeah. Um, but they, they did pretty good calf fries there, too. What, uh, there have been so many trends come and go. Truck parks came. Food trucks uh, started and kind of uh, you know faded away. There's still some truck parks. Cupcakes came and went. What else came and went are, the are last cupcakes, few years? Yeah, it, it feels like cupcakes are still there, but they're not as hot as they, they right. are now. I think the, the trend right now is gourmet donuts because yeah. you have uh, um, Needy Donuts on Ray Street. You have... Uh, Funky Town. Funky Town, downtown and on 8th Avenue, you have Doughboy Donuts on uh, Camp Bowie and Hertz Donut. That's the Hertz is the new, the Uber, the ultimate donut, Uber Donut from from Missouri. And I I feel like there's sort of a a poke trend, the Hawaiian dish. It keeps Mm -hmm. on uh, popping up. There's a a new poke place on um, Magnolia Avenue. There's another one in the um food hall in the food hall at crockett (laughs) row um it's one of those things where you feel like it's still going but you wonder if it's starting to if it's on the downside of its trend because so many people are doing it well what do you think steve i mean the um that was one thing that came to mind this week when you know robert reported first that that, you know still still covering these stories breaking stories that kona grill had closed in crockett row and kona was a big name um, you know, restaurant, big name chain with a, a menu of sushi and they'd added poke and they'd put things on the menu to try to keep up even though it was a, a big busy chain and uh, 
they were trying to latch on to uh, whatever was going on, but it seemed like they couldn't catch on. Why can't they? Why couldn't they make it serving sushi and poke? I thought they could. I mean, it, it was really nice inside there too. It was really well made. Uh, even though it's a chain, you go like, "Wow, this is a really nice chain." A really the, nice the second floor good. restaurant. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I'd actually only been there once. Maybe that's a key, but uh, but I had really good service, and I, I really liked the uh, the server who was a little talkative without being. I was there by myself, so he was a little talkative and without being um, obtrusive. Um, uh, you know, this location, you know, is kind of off to the corner, so uh, that might be something to do with it a little bit. You weren't sure where to park. Right. But. Yeah, parking was all, it's always an issue around there. And uh, But the food was really good. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it just seemed too much like a chain. There is so much pushback now against chains, and there uh, now we see the age where, uh, you know, customers just refuse to go to chains that used to be. 21 22 and now it's up into the 30s where people say no no chains i, I grew up going to bennigan's and chili's and i don't want any part of it and it, i can i can attest living near alliance town center that there's a lot there are a lot of chains up there that have no problem at all yeah um but um kona grill has been having um problems nationwide the, the same weekend they closed um the one in fort worth uh, it's a Phoenix-based, I believe. Right. Um, the, the same weekend they closed the one in Fort Worth, they closed one in Winter Park, Florida, which is in the Orlando area, and their stock price is down. They, they still have locations open in North Park Center in Dallas and in Plano, um, but the chain nationwide is struggling. I don't think the construction issues um, mm-hmm. or the location of the one on West 7th, when that opened on West 7th in 2014, I think, you know, it had a little more visibility, but then there's been a lot of building up since then. There's been a lot of um, movement toward the center of West 7th. And, of course, you have right around the block is the food hall at Crockett Row. And when I've been at the food hall, I wouldn't say it's been, you know, overwhelmingly packed like the food hall in Plano, but it's it's had good business. When yeah, I've been I was there, there Sunday, and it— uh it, there was a lot of people there, so I mean, uh, I didn't have any trouble seating and getting the seat. But so uh, they're in the same building. There's a parking garage right across the street. It's not a great parking garage. You can get your parking validated at that parking garage. You see the food hall as you're coming out of the parking garage. You don't necessarily see Kona Grill. You're not even sure if it's part of Crockett Row. Yeah, I mean, and I, if I had to go there and park, I would park at the meters, which are now pay meters. But then I'd think, now which garage can I park in? You know, I, I'm always confused whether it's the North Crockett or the South Crockett or you know, in the real estate, the you know, the rent price in the Crockett Row is pretty high. So the I can see that this, this has been why there's been a lot of turnover in Crockett Row. Um, now this, there, of course, there's, opened, there's a El Bolero, new, yeah, brand new restaurant, El Bolero. El, El Bolero is is uh, a nicer. You know, they call it Latin. It's it's a nicer you know Mexican. It's a Mexico City, um, you know, like a. Uh, Mesomaya, a little nicer than Cantina Laredo, but it's a creative Mexico City restaurant. Uh, and then the other restaurant that's about to open is, is uh, Pak Pao Thai, which is Pak owned by Pao. the same company. That's right. And it's going to open across the street from uh, El Bolero in uh, um, in the summer of uh, 2019. Um, yeah, it looked like they had their sign up and everything already. Uh, yeah, because I walked through there when I was going to the food hall. And there, there's a, a Cineholic, the gourmet uh, chain that just opened there. Right, the, cinna, the uh, vegan cinnamon roll. And they say they make a point of saying vegan cinnamon roll, but 
you know, really nobody's mm-hmm. interested. I mean, unless you're really, really limited to vegan cinnamon rolls, it's vegan does not come to your mind when you walk into Cineholic because mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a Cinnabon go, gone extreme. It's like right. the uh, it, cinnamon rolls with 20 different topics. It seems like they you know only have to change a little just a little bit of the recipe to make it vegan i mean it yeah. was like it's real close to already being something like a vegan thing yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a couple of other um bar restaurants coming into uh crockett roll west seventh um expect to open later this year cal cal concrete cowboy kitchen and cocktails um if i recall right i can't re- i I believe this is a Houston-based change. I can't. I can't exactly remember. I think that's right. Yeah. And, in uh, the old water space, Toasted Coffee and Kitchen, which is a uh, restaurant in um, there's a location right. It's not on Lois Greenville in Dallas. It's kind of like across the street from the end of Greenville in Dallas. That um, it's a restaurant that uh, specializes in. Excuse me. Well, I choke this word out artisanal toast artisanal toast um it goes beyond the avocado but it also has um standard breakfast items and a coffee bar i've been to the dallas one a few times and uh i like it it does savory toast it does um sweet toast there's a restaurant that just serves toast no it serves more than (laughs) toast. and the toast has things on it it's not all about the toast yeah they're Uh not just putting it in a toaster and browning it they're actually right. putting things on the toast 12 different kinds I, of toast I, with toppings they use it just like velvet taco uses the tortilla as a as a palate uh-huh. they, uh, they use the toast as the canvas for their uh, I, that's why I, it was artisanal they're using yes, the canvas the toast, canvas right. is bread toast really <laughs> toast uh, yeah toast and it's I like mean, if we could find a toast with brisket on uh, it or sushi steve well, would eat it it's yeah, like, well, I, it's like I, I seven dollar toast i like i like sos toast that's the, the, about the only thing i remember having on yeah, toast well, yeah I, I, we know all about that so well, now robert you've also been our uh, brew pub and brew house reporter and deep ellum is coming in the west seventh area and is coming with quite a flourish so i i let luke ranker our uh our city our, our a- city avid, hall reporter avid customer who is a big um if his uh instagram feed to give you an idea of luke uh who's like 27 years old is in, in instagram feed is news and brews if you follow luke on instagram you will find um many pictures of um beers with descriptions he's so he's been following the whole deep ellum uh funky town fermatorium flap nice little alliteration there in which they um they had they a, painted their logo they, on the side they and painted call a logo it a mural. On, on the side called it a mural the um city said no this is an ad and uh there there was a little um posting on uh facebook about them having to take this down and the, the struggles they've had there there are i they aren't the first restaurateur i've heard about having struggles with um any city's uh permit process. signage right now, signage permits anything you want to do within the restaurant is, is you know you're going to struggle a lot it's why right. restaurants often miss their target date is because yeah. they're dealing with a lot of jambos wasn't allowed to have a mural on the side of the arlington steakhouse in arlington and it's you can have uh in Fort Worth, you can have artwork. Brood has artwork on the side, but it has to be artwork. It can't just be your trademark in big, you know, garish colors. You, it's almost necessary to have the artwork now because of Instagram. Yeah. Um, they um, the 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 thing with Deep Ellum is when they uh, posted about this on um, their Facebook page, they got a little backlash from Fort Worth people saying, you know, it's like. 
you know, way to, you know, you're coming into Fort Worth. And of course, you know, the fact that it's a Dallas place coming into Fort Worth is going to put a lot of people on edge anyway, um, even though many of the places in Fort Worth have Dallas origins. But they, they got a lot what of What are you trying back. to say here, Robert? Well, regardless <laughs> of the origin, how's the beer and what's the food going to be like? Um, you know, I haven't looked at it closely enough to know what the Deep food Elm. is going to be like. I like Deep Elm's beer. Yeah, the like Deep Elm Blonde is one of the better uh, one of the, one of the light best. beers you'll find around here. Yeah. Um, it's uh, there, there are a lot of uh, – I tend to, to lean toward um, stouts, um, so I like – some of the, the beers I like are like Liquid Temptress, mm-hmm. um, Shannon um, Brewing in Keller has a, has a, a couple of good stouts. Uh, Martin House has been developing some interesting stouts. Is that like Raw Ugly Pug? Is that a stout? Uh, Ugly Pug is a no. block lager, yeah. if I okay. recall right. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think if Raw has a stout. They, yeah. they must have one. Uh, they, they have. Uh, I believe Iron Thistle is the closest they come to a stout. I think it's like a Scottish ale. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they have something called. Iron Joe, which includes a Voca coffee in it. That's right. Um, and I, I like that kind of coffee-ish coffee chocolate, beer. chocolate flavor. Now, so, uh, and this is, uh, and Deep Ellum uh, Brewhouse is opening on University Drive, north of 7th, uh, toward the Starbucks, speaking of coffee. But they'll be in that uh, mid-university area. And then this is a little trick you have to know about Fort Worth. Uh, you know, Hacks, Fort Worth people need to teach everybody. There is a North University Drive a South University Drive, and a Plain University Drive that's neither north or south. And so that's in the section of mid-university that has no direction whatsoever. It starts numbering at White Settlement and goes to um, to past the, the railroad, goes to Vickery, where they start numbering as south. But And uh, it's, it's just north of the intersection of, of University West 7th Camp Bowie, Bailey, uh, one of the more confusing intersections and one of the more congested and they've actually improved it and it's still confusing and now the problem is that the valet parking line for eddie v's tends to stretch out into the intersection you know on a friday or saturday night so it's kind of tough to get through the intersection and uh um there's also juan rodriguez former riata chef he has a taco place coming to austin city taco that'll be right there between Starbucks and Deep Ellum. It's under construction now, if you're wondering what that construction is. And the mystery restaurant across the street at Lisa's Chicken, that we know the name of it is Cook Shack, and we know that it's owned by uh, the president of the Colorado Restaurant Association, who owns some cheddars and has had some other locations, and we don't know any more about it because his email doesn't answer, his phone doesn't answer, and you know, I haven't got the paperwork back from TABC, so we continue to investigate the mystery of what will be Cook Shack in the former leases space. It does have a liquor license. That's what I'm looking That's all I know. So I'll be leaving that up to you. Now, I, I'll try to stay on top of that. Steve, you're going to have to you – know, this is the big thing, Steve, is somebody's going to have to cover the great northern metro because it's like <laughs> we've counted on Robert all these years to come in and tell us – what's going in an alliance so yeah, that we don't there's so much traffic up there i mean yeah. i mean you've got the west i try to cover like central and arlington mm-hmm. and and robert has, has always come in and told us whatever you know whatever new thing is going up on heritage trace and mm-hmm. you know now one of us is going to have to you know man up yeah and we're go out there we're expecting uh the shell shack on heritage trace the signage is up the lights are on inside we uh, thought they'd be open by the end of february but they're telling me march and i went to grub burger the other day it was pretty good yeah i like grub uh grub burger where are you going to eat and now and where are you going to never eat again so you know i'll, I'll still eat burgers 
Um, my favorite food is probably pizza. So you'll, you know, I am, I'm, and my favorite pizza places, I'm not picky. Um, I, I eat a lot. Of, I, I'm not one of these guys. And like, I'm not going to eat New York pizza. I'm not going to eat thin crust. I'm, you know, I, I pretty much any pizza you put in front of me, I'm going to eat. But uh, well, the favorite you, you places even eat are, bugs. So the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The favorite places are are uh, Fireside Pies. Yeah, um, Rosso. Uh, we like sitting at the bar at Taverna Rossa in South Lake. We like the the pizza there is not quite as good as Fireside Pies or, or Cane Rosso, but the bar is very cool. And I do, you know, there are some good toppings on the pizza. It's fun to talk to the bartenders there. I like sitting at the bar at Fireside Pies too. So that more than Colvines? Um, I, I really like Colvines Red Sauce. Yeah. Colvines is a, a place for grown-ups. Yeah. Um, the problem I had the first time I went into Ver- Taverna Rasa, the noise level was so heavy, I wasn't wondering if I'd ever come back. Yeah. They seem to have found that balance now. Um, but Colvines in South Lake is a... And um, if you're ever up in the Argyle uh, direction on 377, there is uh, Earl's 377 Pizza, which not only do we uh, like it for the pizza, but it's one of the most dog-friendly restaurants I've ever been to. We would take our Great Pyrenees there, uh, sit on the patio, and the staff would actually remember the, uh, Oliver. And uh, there, there are some places they'll, they'll serve um, water dishes, but they're like um, styrofoam. And a lot of dogs will just take that styrofoam and tip it over and start chewing the styrofoam rather than having the water. Earl's brings out the nice little ceramic bowl with the water mm-hmm. for the dog. And... Um, there, uh, there's probably some places I don't want to leave any, anything out. I'm, I'm looking forward to the opening of Zoli's New York Pizza uh, in Fort Worth because I've been to the Zoli's and I think it's in Addison. Yeah, um, and we went to the one in Oak Cliff when there was one in Oak Cliff. Yeah, and uh, I've, I like that a lot. I like Jay Jerrier, get it open. Yeah, and uh, it's there's going to be an interesting little New York Pizza battle because you have Grimaldi's, right? But there's also um, there's a place in the Central Market Shopping Center. Um, I think it's just called it Slice New York. Slice, Slice New York, and that's owned by the Joes. Yeah, and uh, there's also on Jennings. I have not been to this place yet, but uh, on Jennings, right at Pennsylvania, there's been some turnover in this spot. But there's a new pizza place there that's got a New York style, and I'm hearing some buzz about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of the name of that, but I know it's there at Jennings in Pennsylvania, and it was a a New York pizza before, right? It's right. A, a little different. Um, I, you know, the, all the pizza and pastas, all the the, you know, nine thousand different. Uh, you know, I, I I mentioned in the in the Eat Speed column Friday, I talked about uh, about Italianos in River Oaks, and that's from the the uh, Halili family, which was one of the first families that came over for forty years. They've been opening pizza and pasta cafes, and this was really a good little. I mean, I, you know, it was a great slice of pizza. It was a great light. It was one of those. Uh, inhalable pizzas like uh, and I go always give pizza snob as the example where you start eating it and suddenly it's just like you go and it's just gone and you just you know it's just so like well, it has just, that thin crust too yeah so it's you like, just take yeah, it right up yeah, right. so and of course there's a there's there's a case to be made that um People will say that steak or barbecue is the uh state food of Texas but there's a big case to be made for tacos and there's all sorts of places to have tacos in Fort Worth uh you know I'm even when I, I, I feel kind of weird seeing that salsa limon is, is mainstream because their 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 Mexico City inspired menu is is a lot you know it's not stuff you're going to find at a, at a chain taco place, um, but I also like taco heads on uh, Montgomery. Go out on a limb here. It's like 
Torchies is the kind of place that will will uh, create controversy and people. I'm not good queso. I'm not like crazy about the co- the tacos, but the queso is terrific. The queso is great. Yeah, yeah the queso is fantastic. Yeah, the other day we had this uh, lottery winner here on a fifty dollar ticket, won two million dollars or whatever it was, and they somebody ran a poll and said if you won two million dollars off a scratch off ticket what would you do and the number one answer was tacos tacos for everybody so that 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 would be the biggest but I, I recommend i i one of the stories i did i uh, was a um story where uh i tried going from the cheapest jack-in-the-box taco um to um at the time revolver taco lounge was still in fort worth he's now relocated to uh, deep element dallas just got nominated. Uh, Regina Rojas just got nominated for James Beard Award. Oh, really? And uh, he, um, I think it's a regional award, but, uh-huh. um, and uh, you would go, I was trying to go from a place where you could find a taco as cheap as like 49 cents to a place that had lobster tacos where the plate was like $30. Mm-hmm. Um, lost a little something in the execution, but I did learn a lot about um, taco places. And uh, unfortunately, Hannah Tamiz, our diversity reporter, just left. She was talking, wanting to do a story where you just hit all the taco trucks around right. and got the really authentic stuff. Um, but there, there are things you, you, you wind up getting so busy with other stuff, you don't get them off the ground. But uh, I, these complete. You were great at doing these completest kind of stories. I call them quest yeah. stories. Yeah, they're yeah. like all that you ate, all the hot foods, all the spicy foods. You and you endured that. You ate some of the hottest things, you know, on any plating, or you eat all the the taco, you know, or whatever. All all the best burgers. All the you would go out and you would eat twenty seven, you know, places, and, and in order in order to provide com- comprehensive coverage. Yeah, when when uh, Carrie, when Carrie Darling was still working here as our our pop culture reporter, he he suggested doing a, a story on pies, and I was like, oh, I'll do that. I think Kerry wanted to do that story, and I yeah. kind of just stole it from him. Um, I did the first of these stories was something on donuts, and I went to a lot of donut places. And what I wish I had done with that story was talk to more of the owners and about their background. The pie story was one of my favorites because every baker has a story. Right. It usually involves their um, being in the kitchen with their mom or their grandmother, but every every baker has a story. I, I really like talking to bakers. Um, did a story on um, kolaches because I'm half Czech. I forget what year this was. I think it was like 2014, 2015. Um, um, I'm going to say, two, yeah, it was 2015. Either Gourmet or Bon Appetit did a story about um, how kolaches were one of the big trendy foods. And I'm like, really? Because my grandmother died in 1975, and she always had kolaches when we went to. And I think if you're really being... Um, purist about it you i don't even think you use the plural with kolaches i think kolache is the plural um so i i kind of kind of went back with my heritage there too yeah so um but yeah um yeah we stopped when i went to the you know high school journalism conventions in high school in 1970 71 the journalism teacher would stop in west for kolaches not the check stop wasn't there we'd stop on main street at kolchex and then we'd go to austin and have barbecue and tex-mex and it was just all the things that, that people still adore now. Is there anything that you never plan to eat again? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, it, it is a, a line I've had was like I, I covered movies for about 10 years. I don't go to movies as often as I used to. Uh, I covered TV full-time for six years. 
don't watch as much TV as I used to. Uh, I used to go to a lot of concerts. I don't go to as many concerts. So I, I may continue food writing for somebody else. I might continue it freelance. I haven't really found a, a gig yet to figure out what I'm going to do. But, you know, do I stop eating? I don't think so. We know that whatever you'll do, you'll do it very completely and very comprehensively. And thank you for doing it with us all these years. So this time I have to say, uh, until next time on the Eats Beat Podcast, I'm Bud Kennedy. And Steve Wilson.